Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 says, For you, and that's talking to all of you who are sitting here today, now you're standing, it's talking for you. You means you. For you, brethren, for you, sisters, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now if you can go down to verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I told you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Father, we thank you for this word. Thank you just for being here, Lord. We ask, Lord, would just move among us, that you would pour out your spirit, that I would not be a hindrance, men and women and children being changed by your word today, because that's what you do, Lord, you change us by your word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, please do that, do that to me, Lord, change me today, change us, Lord, we are thankful that you accept us in whatever condition we are, in whatever sin. But we're also thankful, Lord, that you love us too much to let us stay that way. Change us. Change us into the likeness of your Son. Your word says, those that you foreknew, destined to be conformed to the image of your Son, that he, Jesus, Lord, we want to be those brethren, those sisters, Brothers, look like Jesus because died of us, and we have surrendered everything to Him. Okay, you may be seated. So, Galatians five thirteen. We're going to be spending most of our time in that verse. Galatians five thirteen. Again, it says this, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use that liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So this verse can be divided in three parts. Part number one, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Part number two, only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Part three, 
but through love serve one another. Let's start with part one. You brothers, you sisters, you've been called to freedom, to liberty. What does that mean? Well, we were there a couple weeks ago. In the spiritual sense, you were born, you came out of your mother's womb as a slave. Bible, it's just the Bible says that time and time again. And chapter 2 begins, you were dead, you were slaves in your transgression. And in the spiritual sense, every human being is either a slave or they're a free man, a free woman. As a Christian, though, you were called away from slavery to freedom. You were called to leave your slave master and be joined to your father, God your father. We read this in the previous chapter, in Galatians chapter um, four, did we not? Oops. It says, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. No longer a slave, but a son. No longer a slave, but a daughter. But who is the slave master that you've been freed from? Slave, according to the book of Galatians, the slave master is the law. The slave master is someone, something you actually know very well. The slave master is that finger that's in your face, ever in your face, and it's saying you are guilty. You have, you're not good enough. You've never been good enough. You'll never be good enough. Uh, you'll never be able to pay the price required for your, for your forgiveness. Um, you have to do more, more, more for God to accept you. There's that finger wagging in your face. That's your slave master. That is the slave master. The book of Galatians, we've been talking about it. That's the language of the slave master. You're guilty. You're not good enough. You never will be good enough. You will never be able to pay the price required for your forgiveness. You have to do more, 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 more. That's the language of the slave master. But as we read throughout the book of Galatians, you've been called to liberty. You've been called to leave the life of slavery. You have been called to liberty in Christ. And in Christ, you free, you, uh, you are free, the Bible says. You've been liberated. Why? Because you are no longer a slave, but you're a son or a daughter. So sitting in this room today, you're either a slave or you're a son or a daughter. There's no in-between. With Christ, you're a son or a daughter. Without him, you're a slave. This is just the Bible. Don't kill the messenger. What the Bible teaches. So a slave says this. A slave says, I am guilty. I am not good enough. I have never been good enough. I will never be good enough. I will never be able to pay the price required for, 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 for my forgiveness. I have to do more, more, more. But a son, a daughter, says this. By the way, the Spanish is 
In, in that pamphlet you have, Espanol es patras aquí. It says, my guilt is gone because it was laid upon Jesus on the cross. That's Isaiah 53, verse 6. A son or daughter says, because of Jesus' death, I'm perfect before God. Perfect? What kind of weird church is this? A weird church that believes in the Bible. Says it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. I have never been good enough, says the slave. But a son or daughter says, because of Jesus' death, all my past sins have been forgiven. Hebrews 1, 3. A slave says, I will never be good enough. But a son or daughter says, because of Jesus' sacrifice, all my future sins have been forgiven. I saw some crazy thing on the internet a few years ago. Never in the Bible does it say anywhere that all your future sins are forgiven. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, you can go read it. That's your homework. Says it as clear as clear could be. I will never be able to pay the price required for forgiveness, says a slave. A son or daughter says, God the Father paid the purchase price for me. Mark chapter 10, verse 15, which says that Jesus was a ransom. He ransomed us, us from the grave, a payment. And then finally, a slave says, I have to do more, 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 more for God to accept me. But a son, a daughter says this, and this is revolutionary, it's dangerous, it's scandalous, but it says it. The Bible says, I'm not required to do anything for God to accept me. Simply believe what Jesus did for me, Acts 13, 39. And I could put about a hundred other verses there. Why is it repeated so many times? Because it's so hard to believe. God has to tell us over and over and over again. You can't do anything for God to accept you. Because the Bible says all our do's, all our good deeds, any good thing that we can possibly do is like a filthy rag before the Lord. It says in Isaiah 64, 6. All we can do, all we can offer to God is believing. But Jesus said to the religious leaders, the prostitutes and the thieves are getting into heaven before you. Why did he say that? Because they knew they knew that's all that, that, that they had. They knew they didn't have anything to offer except their belief, their faith, their trust in the Lord. So what's all the result of this? What's the result of this right-hand column there? Liberty. You've been called to liberty. Once you get this, and sometimes we get it in our head, but it takes a little while to go to our heart, but once it goes from your head to your heart that all your sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven simply by trusting in what Jesus did for you on the cross, I got to tell you, there's a freedom there that sets you free. and You can live in liberty. Again, Galatians 5.13, you've been called to liberty. You've been called to liberty. What, just one of the many fruits of that, by the way, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, says this. This is a glorious verse. There having been justified by 
faith, meaning justified by God, we are justified just as if we've never sinned. God, uh, God justifies us simply by believing in Christ. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what liberty feels like, peace. That's what it feels like. No more wagging of the finger. If the finger starts to wag, you get out of here. Justified. I've been, I, I, I've been, I've been forgiven. I'm blameless before God the Father. So we, in our horizontal lives, yes, we continue to sin until we die. But in terms of how God uh, looks at us, he sees perfection. Why? Because he sees his son inside of us. That is Liberty. That's part one. Let's move on to part two. Very important, part two. Only, middle of verse 13, do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. So again, just let me repeat. You've been called to liberty, but don't use that liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Okay, so, opportunity for the flesh. What in the world does that mean? Opportunity for the flesh. What is the flesh? So the answer to that question is in verse 19. That's what we read this morning. It's a, it's a nasty, ugly, horrible list. And guess what? We have the capacity to do every single thing listed here. So does every other human being. It says, verse 19 says, the works of the flesh, again, in the natural man and you, the natural woman, we all have the capacity to do all these works. The works of the flesh are evident, which are, it means the works of the flesh are obvious. They're obvious. It's obvious what the flesh is is what he's saying. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, that's referring to sexual uncleanness, sexual practices that are lewdness, same thing. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, meaning divisions, just uh, fighting between people. Jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, Dissensions, meaning uh, dissensions in family, meaning splits in families, church families, biological families, your office family, whatever it is. Dissensions, divisions. These are works of the flesh. Continuing on, heresies, meaning beliefs that are contrary to the word of God, is a work of the flesh, interestingly. Envy. Anyone going to argue with that? When we get jealous and envy, are we fleshing out or what? That's the flesh. Murders, drunkenness, revelries. So like crazy, wild uh, uh, parties are great. Jesus went to parties. But when, when parties become an opportunity to just do whatever you, uh, you want, uh, sexually, with drinking, with drugs, that's a revelry. It's a work of the flesh. So back in verse 13, do not let your brethren, 
do not let your liberty, the liberty of that, that chart that bought us, Jesus Christ bought us liberty, don't let that liberty be used as an opportunity for the flesh. Meaning an opportunity for, um, again, down the list, uh, adultery, fornication, hatred, uh, drunkenness, envy, revelries. Don't use your liberty in that way is what he's talking about there. Because this is a temptation. Why is he saying this? Because once you have liberty, there's a temptation to go there, to go to the place where you just say, whoa, I'm free in Christ. All my sins, past, present, and future are forgiven. I'm just going to like flesh out. So let's go into this chart again. For example, um, this chart, it says, it says there, let me see, one, two, three, four. So it says in the middle there, the third line, because of Jesus' death, all my past sins have been forgiven. The next one says, because of Jesus' sacrifice, all my future sins have been forgiven. And then the last one says, I'm not required to do anything for God to accept me. Simply believe what Jesus did. Well, I think that means I can go off and do this sin, and I know that I'm going to be forgiven. Now, here's the crazy thing. That's true. Grace is that scandalous. It's that dangerous. But he's just saying, don't do that. You'll trash yourself. You'll ruin yourself. You'll never be fruitful that way. He's saying, again, verse 13, do not use the, your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. There will be a temptation to do that. I got to tell you, Calvary Chapel, uh, it's, it's safer for me just not to teach grace. We had... Pastor Serge here last, last week from Haiti, he's talked to people, in, pastors in Haiti, they believe the gospel of grace, but they, they actually confess they do not teach it because they know if they teach it, people are going to go out and sin. And the, and the thing is, that's true. There will always be a certain percentage of people who just take grace and use it as an opportunity for the flesh. But if I fear God... I'm a pastor. I have to teach grace. Grace is the only thing that liberates. And once you get, get, once you get grace, you'll be the holiest person out there <laughs> because you're loving, which is the next part, part three. Part three of the verse says what? But through love, serve one another. Let's read the whole verse again for you. Brethren have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Okay. Let me, let me explain. Here's, what I wanna, here's where I want to go with part three here. Understand part three and where he's going um, here. We, 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 already, we went through that long, ugly list of the flesh, right? Jesus says, though, when he's talking about being born again, 
It says, unless you're born again by the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Victoria, can we have the second verse there? That what is of the flesh is the flesh, what is the Spirit is of the Spirit. So Jesus says when he's talking in John 3 about being the necessity of being born a second time. You're born once physically from your mother's womb. You're born a second time by the Spirit of God. Jesus points out a, a reality of every one of you in this room. You're made up of the flesh, the natural man. The flesh has the capacity to do all that stuff we just read about in verse 19 through 21. You also have the Spirit. That's why Jesus, this is Jesus speaking in John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit, Spirit. Now a whole lot of good things happen when the Holy Spirit comes in and invades your life and occupies and stays there for all eternity. A lot of good things happen. We're going to talk about one of those good things. But let's first be very clear about this. There's only one person, one man or woman or child who receives the Holy Spirit. That is the person, again, who, like that prostitute and thief that Jesus talks about, they're entering the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they know that the only thing they can offer is belief. Christ did for them. So can we have, um, or can we have the verse right before it? Ephesians chapter 113, what a glorious verse, so simple our faith, our Christian faith. It says, having believed, you were sealed, that means a permanent seal, by the way, with the Holy Spirit promise. You have the Holy Spirit. First sermon ever given in Acts chapter 2. People cried out to the apostle Peter because they realized they had crucified Jesus. And, and he said, well, what, what are we supposed to do about this? We, yeah, you're right, we crucified Jesus. And, and Peter simply told them, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, he said. And so, flesh is what you come into the world with, the flesh includes all that nasty, terrible stuff in verse 19 through 21. If the flesh has the capacity to do that, what about the spirit who lives inside of you? What does the spirit have the capacity to do? That's a sermon in and of itself. I'm going to focus on one thing, and it's this. To love as Jesus loves. That's what the verse says, right? We brethren have been called to uh, liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Spirit gives you the capacity to love as Jesus Christ loves. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says this. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Then 2 Timothy 1.7, here's a favorite of many people. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. 
Now go down to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. We got that long list of the flesh. There's another long list, but it's the fruit of the Spirit. And what does it begin with? Verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is, everyone say it, fruit of the Spirit, love. Galatians 2.20, been a whole Sunday on that a couple months ago. I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And what does Christ do? He loves. Have the Holy Spirit, you have the capacity to do what verse 13 says, which is through love serve one another. So again, verse 13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And Paul is saying this. This is what he's saying. Christian, you've been liberated by grace. Don't let your liberty, the grace you have received, be an excuse to go live like a dog Instead, let the grace you have received be a motivator to love. And so this is what it it sounds like in the human heart. Lord, I didn't deserve to be forgiven. I didn't deserve for you to die on the cross. I didn't deserve all the grace that you have poured out over my life. Because I am so grateful for everything you've done, I'm going to love, love, love. That's the voice of someone who understands the liberation of being in Christ. Romans chapter 13, verse 8 says this, Owe no one anything except to love them. Now you just chew on that one for a while. Do you realize that? Do you realize that you owe everyone you meet love? I did a whole sermon on that verse right after George, the George Floyd incident during the pandemic. I welcome you to go listen to it. Got some people real upset. This verse is is pure radical. Owe no one anything except to love them. There's absolutely nothing more radical than Jesus Christ and the life he calls you to because it teaches this. Because of the love Jesus Christ has for you, he loves you so much. Listen, his back was ripped open for you by a Roman scourge. Iron stakes were driven through his hand and feet. His beard was ripped out, the Bible says, leaving him unrecognizable on the cross so that your sins would be paid for. Because how can a God of justice ignore your sin? He can't. Someone had to die. Someone had to pay for it. It was Jesus Christ. And now the Bible says that he, because he loved you like that, what you owe now is everyone else in your life love. Everyone following me? This isn't just nice sounding gobbledygook. This is what the Bible teaches. This is why a community of saints like the one in this room, um, we look differently as we grow in this and understanding that I'm not allowed to. Someone goes outside, spits in my face. I owe him love, was what the Bible says. The Bible says that, um, you know, Well, you tell me, find me another human philosophy or religion that says that if a perfect stranger comes up to you and says you 
you owe me something. Oh, really? What do I owe you? You owe me love. And they would be right. What other philosophy or human philosophy or religion would believe something so ridiculous and so radical and so beautiful? Find me another religion or human philosophy that says if your enemy came up to you, someone who had betrayed you, lied about you, stolen from you, physically hurt you, and they said you owe me love, and they would be right. You're not going to find that anywhere. It sounds crazy. It sounds demented. It sounds even sadistic, but there is something that even... Is, sounds more crazy, and that is by the fact that you betrayed God, you lied to God, you stole from God, you hurt God. Instead of striking you dead, he struck himself dead. Then he rose from the dead and knocks at the door of your heart and says, I love you so much, so much I died for you. Let me come and live with and love you for all eternity. That is why the gospel is called good news. That's what it means, by the way. Gospel means good news. That's why it's good news. Jesus' first sermon was believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. Again, the Bible says there should only be one response to the cross. That is to love, 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 and love. Can you be a little bit more specific? Pastor Steve. Let's go to the list in Galatians 5.22. We have scripture memory, by the way, coming up in late July. These are great verses to memorize. Sign up in the back and put Galatians chapter 5, last 12 verses. What is love? So, Many of you, most of you, are familiar. 1 Corinthians 13. You don't have to turn there. There's a definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Love suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Uh, if you look at this list in verse 22 of Galatians 5, it starts with love. Some Bible commentators say, and I think I agree with them, it totally makes sense, that everything after that, this is more or less a condensed 1 Corinthians 13 verse where it's defining what love is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. So what is love? Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Remember, most of these are in 1 Corinthians 13, which defines love. So what is love? It's joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what love is. And you look at this list, and, and I, there's about a thousand ways, things I could do with this list, with love and what it looks like. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go to one place. 
Notice our verse in verse 13. It says, through love serve one another. Notice this, this list here, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How do you do that by yourself? Can you do that by yourself? I'm one of those guys that apart from Christ, I would be living in a, sing, a cabin in the middle of Montana, 17. By the way, Montana's more than any other um, place in the United States, it's the place where you can get farthest from a road. So if you want to just go by yourself and have no one with, of course, there's bears that may be, you know, there. But, but, but that's where I would be, by myself in a little log cabin in Montana. That's what we do apart from Christ. We just try to isolate ourselves, try to be with ourselves, alone with ourselves, because we don't want to deal with people for a number of reasons. But if you look, if you look at this, this verse here, how do you do this? without being around other people. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You're gonna be gentle by yourself to sit around being gentle? How do you do that? No, verse 13 says, don't use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. That's who God is raising up you to be. Now, there are some questions that like scream out, like, I, I, I'm not like that. How do I be like that? Uh, you know, I, I, my flesh, the flesh is crying out. No, no, you can't be like that. You're not like that. You, were ne- you know you're not like that. Maybe those holy people in church with halos over their head are like that, not you. Yeah, I, I get that. And that's where we will be next week where it says, walk in the spirit and do not... Um, fulfill the, the, the lust of your f- flesh, verse 16, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And we're coming up, we're, we're, gonna, we're coming up to that sermon, but, what I, but where we're, we're, we're ending with today is Calvary Chapel. Don't use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Some of you are there. You're there. You're, you're fleshing out. You look through this verse, um, the, the verses 19 through uh, 21, uh, f- fornication, envy, drunkenness, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. That's you. And you're lo- using the, 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 the cross of Jesus Christ. You're using the cross of Jesus Christ as an opportunity to justify that behavior. You've got to repent. You've got to do a U-turn and repent. And instead, use your liberty motivator, the grace of God. Love and serve the people of life. Starts off, by the way, in your own home. Easy to come to church and smile and pat each other on the back and love. You know, you go home where you live with your husband, that wife, that, those kids that are, that coworker, those roommates at school. Lord never tells you to do something he doesn't empower you to do it. The Spirit of God, remember we read those three or four verses. The Spirit of God has invaded your life, has possessed your life, and empowers you to, to love. And my suggestion is when you find yourself not feeling it, the Bible says we live by faith, not by feelings. Feelings will come. Make decisions based upon faith. 
Just say the Lord, I can't do this, but um, oh, your word says, with Christ all things are possible. I'm gonna love here. Love is an action word. Love, serve one another. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up. We're just gonna close in prayer. If you've been asked to pray, please come up as well. And if something is stirred in your heart, as I've been up here, something's been stirring on your heart, something's been bothering you, or maybe something, something's exciting you, or, 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 something, or, or there's gratefulness coming up in your heart, and you would just like to pray with someone, come up and pray. You can stand up now. We're gonna, we're gonna sing a worship song at this time. We like to give this opportunity to come and pray. The Bible says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, or he exalts the humble. And it's humbling to come up and ask for prayer. You're like telling someone in front, you're basically telling in front of everyone that you're needy. Well, can I tell you something? Just being honest with you, you are needy. <laughs> so instead of trying to just fake it until you make it, just come up and pray. The Bible says that we should be praying with one another, and the Lord is blessed to hear us calling upon his name. So let's, let's end with worship and end with prayer. Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name. Mm, I thank you, Lord. Just for the testimony that we heard um, before the message, and we just thank you for that, your glory falling there, and I just also, Lord, ask that your glory would fall upon us. That's not going to happen, Lord. People in this room who are using their, if, if they remain and leave this room thinking they have the license to use their liberty as an opportunity for the flesh instead of serving one another, Lord. I just pray, just pray this for myself, Lord. Make us people who are experts in love. I pray this in Jesus' name.